Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. We are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It is called Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano. It's an insider's look at the NBA and the culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and the number one pick in the 2010 NBA draft, John Wall will give his unique perspective on the hottest topics in the league and tell the best behind-the-scenes stories from his time in the NBA. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. The Volume. It's Hoops Tonight presented by FanDuel. The NBA season is kicking into gear and there's no better place to get in on the action than with FanDuel. The app is safe and secure. Getting your money out is super easy. You can jump into the action at any time during the game with live betting. And I love building those same game parlays. And FanDuel is now live in Ohio, so use promo code JasonT and download the FanDuel app today to start making every moment more. 21 plus in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, Virginia, and Ohio. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona. Call one 888 789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. Call 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas. Call 1-877-770-STOP in LA. Visit www.mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Dial one 877 8 Hope and Y or text Hope and Y to 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming or visit www.1800gambler.net in West Virginia. All right, welcome to Hoops Tonight, presented by FanDuel here at The Volume. Happy Thursday, everybody. We're just going to be going rapid-fire style through four games from last night's jam-packed Wednesday night slate. We're going to be covering the Chicago Bulls, snapping the Nets' 12-game winning streak. The Minnesota Timberwolves notching their second consecutive win against a Western Conference playoff team over the Minnesota, excuse me, over the Portland Trailblazers. The Detroit Pistons beating the Warriors in a super fun game at the buzzer on a three by Sadiq Bay. And then last but not least, 
the Los Angeles beat uh, Los Angeles Lakers beating a red hot Heat team without LeBron James and Anthony Davis behind Dennis Schroeder and Russell Westbrook playing a couple of great games. Um, tonight, we are going to be going live on AMP after the final buzzer of Celtics-Mavs just to do a quick breakdown of that game as well. So keep an eye on the feeds later tonight. You guys know the drill before we get started. Subscribe to the Volumes YouTube channel so you don't miss any more of our videos. Follow me on Twitter at underscore JasonLT so you guys don't miss any show announcements. And then last but not least, if for whatever reason you guys miss one of these videos and you can't get back over to YouTube to finish, remember you can get them wherever you get your podcasts under hoops Tonight. All right, here we go. Rapid fire four games. So the Bulls beat the Nets 121 to 112. That snaps Brooklyn's 12 game winning streak. They led for almost the entire game uh, by as much as 18. They tried to make a run. The Nets did there in the fourth quarter. Um, finally got their offense going a little bit, but a couple of pivotal um, uh, turnovers, pick sixes that ended up in dunks running out the other way. And honestly, just got to hand it to Chicago. They made a bunch of big plays down the stretch of the game. Zach Levine and, and DeMar DeRozan in particular have been awesome over the course of the last three weeks or so. We're going to talk about that here in just a second. But they kept him at arm's length throughout despite KD going off for 44 points on 22 shots. On December 18th, the Chicago Bulls were 11-18 and 18, and everything looked lost it, even appeared that the Bulls might even consider blowing things up in the season because there were enough desperate teams out there that might want the services of some of their star players. And I've talked about this concept a lot on the show over the course of the last couple of weeks, but the idea of fighting for your season. Um, obviously, for your top-tier teams, there's a lot of you know smooth sailing over the course of the season. Like the Boston Celtics, they got rolled in Oklahoma City two nights ago. Who cares? Shea Gilgis-Alexander was out. They brought a crap effort. They've had you know pretty inconsistent effort for the last couple weeks now, but it just doesn't matter because they're so damn talented that they're still the best team in the league and they can have bad nights and it's just not going to impact them in the standings because of how much talent they have. But for the teams in the middle, the think of it like when I was talking about the if things go right contenders, but it extends even deeper to that than to teams that have playoff aspirations of any kind. There's up and down stretches during the season. And typically there's a stretch, especially when you have bad luck early on where you have to kind of look in the mirror and decide whether or not you want to fight for this thing. And we've seen a bunch of teams in particular dealing with that lately. The Los Angeles Lakers, the Atlanta Hawks, you know, the Miami Heat as of a couple of weeks ago when they started fighting and starting to uh, to get it into a groove. And the Chicago Bulls were in a similar predicament. 11-18, and 18, just got your butt kicked by the Milwaukee Bucks last year in the playoffs. There's a lot of reasons to pack it in at that point, but that's not what they did. In the, in the nine games since then, the Bulls are now 6-3. and three. Um, and I believe they lost one of those three games at the buzzer, too. Uh, DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine have been unreal. They're averaging 53 points per game over that span on 50% shooting. Four of those six wins involved clutch situations, which has been a huge part of their recent success. Both Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan are shooting 55% from the field when the game is within five points with less than five minutes to go. Um, in these games. So we'll see if it lasts, but the Bulls are showing some fight, and that's super encouraging. They're trying to save this thing. Um, on the Nets, not worried at all. They've been the best team in the league over the course of the last couple of months. Uh, I'm officially actually vaulting them up into my top tier of contenders with Boston and Milwaukee and Golden State, and I'm dropping down the Clippers off of that list for the time being. I know everyone says, oh, Golden State, you know, their their record doesn't dictate that, but with what we saw from them last year in the playoffs, with what we know about their starting lineup, with how well they're playing without Steph Curry, 
Last night, without Andrew Wiggins or Jonathan Kaminga either, with no wing size, they still almost beat the Pistons, so I'm not worried about Golden State there. Uh, moving on. Okay, so the Minnesota Timberwolves beat the Portland Trailblazers 113-106. to That's their second straight win over a Western Conference playoff team to kind of, as a palate cleanser from some rough basketball over the course of the previous couple of weeks, they played absolutely stifling defense in the fourth quarter of this game. Um, I've talked a lot about what was what went wrong for Rudy Gobert and the Utah Jazz over the course of that era, and it wasn't Rudy's fault. Rudy got blamed for it a lot because he's running around like a chicken with his head cut off trying to clean up messes, but more often than not, it was bad perimeter defense that led to those Utah Jazz problems. Someone gets beat off of the dribble, Rudy steps up to help, no one rotates on the back end, it's a wide open shot or something along those lines. And um, what I was really curious about when he came over to Minnesota was just to get to see him play with some better perimeter defenders. And I was a little concerned that Minnesota might have shipped too much of that out. Uh, but they've what they've given up in backcourt ball pressure type of guards, guys like Patrick Beverly, they've actually gained back in a little bit more wing depth. Um, and I also really liked Kyle Anderson signing from that summer as well. So in this particular game, D'Angelo Russell, he had been out uh, previously, and I don't know if he was on a minutes restriction or if they just decided not to play him in the fourth quarter, but D'Angelo Russell did not play down the stretch of this game. And so it ended up being Rudy Gobert with a, a steady mix of really good perimeter defenders. In that fourth quarter run, you saw Ant Edwards for the whole thing. You saw Jaden McDaniels. You saw some Kyle Anderson. You saw some Jalen Noel. You saw some Austin Rivers. You saw some Taurian Prince. Those are all good perimeter defensive players. And when you, they were just kind of subbing a few of those guys in and out. But for the most part, it was four of those guys and Rudy Gobert. And all of that run in that fourth quarter was triggered by how good they were defensively on the ball and flying around in rotations. There was an eight-minute stretch in the fourth quarter of this game spanning from the nine-and-a-half-minute mark of the fourth to the one-and-a-half-minute mark of the fourth where the only two made field goals were uh, for Portland were two extremely highly difficult uh, um, shots from Damian Lillard and Anthony Simons. Two and-ones. Dame had like a banked-in floater from the right like kind of uh, short elbow that was extremely high difficulty that he got an and-one. And then Anthony Simons literally at the end of a possession just shot a drifting floater off one leg from behind the free throw line that somehow went in and he uh, got fouled on that play as well. But those were their, their only two made field goals over that eight-minute span. That's how difficult it was for Portland to get anything high quality in terms of a shot attempt over an eight-minute span with them locked in. And then on the other end of the floor, Anthony, Anthony Edwards just closed the game just with uh, big-time bucket after big-time bucket. He had hit a pull-up three and pick-and-roll. He had a nice little bank shot on a post-up where he bullied his way to the rim, and then he had another giant uh, driving layup. He finished with 32 points. Anthony Edwards' last 10 games, 29 points per game, eight rebounds, five assists on 59% true shooting. Again, only a two-game sample, but after things got pretty uh, bleak there for a minute, these are two pretty impressive wins. And to be honest, if they keep defending like this, and if Anthony Edwards can keep the offensive uh, onslaught going, they're going to go on a run because that's just a simple fact of the way basketball works. If you're getting stops and you got a guy on the other end that can get to the basket and hit threes and things like that and create shots for his teammates, you're going to start winning games. 
Um, I did think that the no D'Angelo Russell thing was an interesting data point. I've been talking for a while about how the Gobert trade kind of puts the Timberwolves in a predicament where I think they need to actually build around Gobert and Ant and kind of move on from Carl Towns and D'Angelo Russell. I doubt they will because I think the front office is kind of married to the Carl Towns-Gobert thing, which I think is a mistake, but that's a whole other conversation for another day. D'Angelo Russell, though, no matter what, kind of feels like the odd man out. And he's had some good games this year, but just overall in terms of consistency and then what he brings on the defensive end of the floor, I don't think he's that great of a fit. And I wanted to show you guys some lineup data without D'Angelo Russell to kind of demonstrate this. So this season, Anthony Edwards with Jalen Noel, Kyle Anderson, Jaden McDaniels, Rudy Gobert, plus 18 net and 60 possessions. That means they're outscoring teams by 18 points per 100 possessions. Somewhat small sample, but that's an interesting point. If you sub in Austin Rivers, who's a great perimeter defender, in for Jalen Noel, plus 26 net in 42 possessions. So that's impressive. Regardless of who the fifth guy is, with Kyle Anderson, Jaden McDaniels, Rudy Gobert, and Anthony Edwards, they are plus seven net in 325 possessions. So a pretty significant sample size there there of them succeeding. Kyle Anderson and Jaden McDaniels, two very good wing defenders. Anthony Edwards is a great on-ball defender. So anybody in there and they're winning games. So some interesting stuff there. Uh, Portland started 10-4, and and they are 9-14 and since. Um, eighth worst record in the league over that span, 25th in defense. And they're also really struggling to score the basketball without Damian Lillard on the floor. For the season, when Dame is on the floor, the Blazers are plus seven net uh, per 100 possessions and minus six with him off the floor. That's a 13-point swing. So significant issue there with shot creation in particular with Dame off the floor. Um, All right, moving on to Detroit-Golden State. This is a really fun game. The Warriors were locked in on both ends in the fourth quarter, but the Pistons just kept responding to every single Warriors run with big plays. So um, uh, PBJ made a couple of free throws to get the game back to one, uh, and then Jaden Ivey went to work, got back-to-back buckets. This is in the fourth quarter when uh, Golden State was trying to get control of this game. Um, uh, he hit a pull-up three and pick and roll where his defender went underneath the screen, rose up and knocked it down. Very next possession, he had PBJ on a switch on the right wing. And just, I put this specific play on my Twitter feed so you guys can see, because this is the kind of thing that excites me so much about Jaden Ivey. He just takes two really long steps to get right around PBJ, goes all the way to the rim and dunks it. And it almost looks like Dwayne Wade. And that was the thing that stood out the most to me when I started watching Jaden Ivey when he was in summer league and a lot for some of his college footage. He has this like long step athleticism that allows him to take um, uh, changes of direction while he's going full speed and things like that that make him extremely difficult to keep in front as a dribble drive guy. Now, he's got a mile to go to get anywhere close to what Dwayne Wade was, but when he's got that type of athleticism, the potential is through the roof. And he's had a rough season, and there's a lot that he's got to get better at. But Jaden Ivey continues to be one of the um, the rookies that excites me the most. Uh, so the Warriors go on another run after that uh, two, little two-play sequence from Jaden Ivey, ending in a Clay Thompson dunk that gets it back to the Warriors in front by one. And then Isaiah Stewart responds to that by winning back-to-back physical battles. There's a play where he buries Kevon Looney under the rim and makes a little right-handed hook shot. Then on the very next possession, Jordan Poole and Looney run a pick and roll. Looney actually catches almost underneath the basket with Isaiah Stewart on him. In that same type of confrontation, Isaiah Stewart wins it 
and blocks Kevon Looney at the rim. I talk a lot about the physical battle that takes place underneath a basket and how it's about knocking guys off of their base. And that was two battles that Isaiah Stewart won back-to-back, one on uh, offense and one on defense, that essentially amounted to a four-point swing, a couple of big plays to get the Pistons back up by three. So... um, uh, and then two possessions after that, they converted uh, another PBJ turnover into a transition three for Killian Hayes. They actually went up by seven at that point. It was 106 to 99. Um, on the next possession, uh, or, uh, the PB, the the Killian Hayes three, then there was an Alec Burks and one that got them up to seven. Uh, but then Clay gets hot and hits three straight jumpers for eight points in one minute. Clay was amazing this entire fourth quarter, really starting to hit his stride. We'll talk about that here in a few minutes. Um, uh, but that gets it back to 108, 107. And then Boyan Bogdanovich rescues a possession with 2.2 seconds left on the shot clock on a baseline out of bounds by taking like this wild leaning three off the dribble at the shot clock buzzer that he makes to put the Pistons back up four. I talk a lot about rescue possessions. When you got guys, typically they got to be taller, but there are some exceptions to that rule, namely Steph Curry. But when you have a guy with their, when there's a possession that's effectively lost, and on most possessions when you've got less than a couple seconds left in a baseline out of bounds or a sideline out of bounds, like it's hard to get a quality shot there. And when you've got a guy that can convert that like one out of every two or three times, one out of every three or four times into three points, that's a huge weapon to have. And that's a huge thing that bolsters offensive ratings. Uh, but that was a huge shot from McDonovich to put him up by four. Then Jordan Poole gets going. He hits back-to-back step-back jumpers, a step-back two and then a step-back three. Now we're back to two. But Boyan McDonovich on the other end of the floor is just executing in pick and roll. He gets downhill, makes a really nice kick-out pass to the corner to Alec Burks for three. Then he runs another one with Sadiq Bey where he throws a beautiful behind-the-back feed to Sadiq Bey on the left wing who hits a three. Now it's back up to 117-12. Then Clay Thompson goes on another fury, uh, 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 flurry. He hits a couple of free throws. He hits a really difficult driving scoop layup over Isaiah Stewart. And then he hits the three to tie the game. Beautiful play design by Steve Kerr there in the final seconds. They run Jordan Poole along, or excuse me, Anthony Lamb along the baseline. And Ty Jerome throws a beautiful skip pass that hits Ty Jerome in uh, uh, stride. At the same time, Clay Thompson's at the top of the key and they set a quick uh, screen with Kevon Looney, who uh, Clay Thompson comes over the top and ends up catching and knocking down a three. Yet another flurry from Clay Thompson. Yet another run from the Warriors to tie this game. And then they go over to the other end of the floor. The Warriors defend the action really well, but Sadiq, uh, Sadiq Bay just pops out and literally just throws up a prayer that ends up going in. Uh, so every single time down the stretch of that fourth quarter that the Warriors went on a run, the Pistons responded. Young players, in most cases, taking and making big shots, making big plays. Obviously a tough loss for the Warriors, but you're super thin on the wing without Andrew Wiggins and Jonathan Kaminga. That's going to hurt you. There were a couple of key offensive rebounds in the at the end of this game that you probably get if you have your wings available. But you got to just tip the cap to the Pistons because they just made big plays all night long, especially down the stretch of that game. As for the Draymond ejection, this is actually a big sequence kind of involving the rebounding that I was talking about. Isaiah Stewart saves, gets an offensive rebound that I think ends up leading to a Sadiq Bay three. On that offensive rebound, uh, Draymond actually like battles with Isaiah Stewart underneath the basket. And he's battling for that box out position, and they're both under the rim. The ball comes off, and Isaiah Stewart is able to run back to get the basketball. The, they, the Warriors need to do a better job of crashing from the perimeter to help when Draymond is in those box-out situations, but that's a huge thing where having some real athleticism on the wing helps you there. 
And to be honest, when when you have Andrew Wiggins out of the game, when you have Jonathan Kaminga out of the game, the Warriors really aren't that athletic as a team. And so that was that's what, what kind of made that specific matchup uh, difficult there. As far as the ejection goes, because then on the very next possession, Draymond got mad that Isaiah Stewart got away from him, and then they got into that tussle. Uh, we can argue whether or not that scuffle dictated a, a double technical. I kind of see where Steve Kerr and where all the other guys are coming from. Like, like that's a part of the game of basketball. There's all these physical battles that are taking place under the rim. I'm actually surprised it doesn't happen more often. The guys get engaged in a wrestling match, essentially, underneath the basket. But... That's a conversation for another day because the reality is is every single time that ever happens to anybody, it's a double technical. It has been for as long as I've been watching basketball. Two guys get engaged in a battle underneath the basket rebounding. If it's a little grabbing here and there, it might be a double foul. But if they're like straight up like about to square up the way those two guys were, it's always a double technical. So it's one of those things where I understand the frustration after the game, but you have to know going into that situation that if you get into a tussle and you already have a technical, that an ejection is on the table at that point. Uh, Moving on to Heat Lakers. So this was an unbelievably massive win for the Lakers. LeBron missed the game with a non-COVID illness, which I thought was surprising because uh, it was a nationally televised game against a team that they were capable of beating. It was a nationally televised game against a team that they were capable of beating. Um, uh, LeBron had been playing really well and the Lakers had won two games in a row. So he must've been pretty sick. I expected him to play. Uh, but Dennis Schroeder and Russell Westbrook were incredible and that carried them enough offensively. And then they've actually been defending pretty well. We'll talk about that in a second, but Schroeder and Westbrook combined for 53 points and 11 assists. They both played, uh, made massive plays down the, the stretch of this game. Dennis kept getting downhill to his right hand that patented, Dennis Schroeder drive with that scooping layup at the end, including the one that ended up sealing the game late. And then Russ had a couple of key and ones, one that was on kind of like an ISO post-up kind of thing where he pump faked and got an and one. And then on the back door cut on that last second play where Austin, uh, Austin Reeves threw a beautiful bullet pass to Russ and he ended up getting an and one. Lots of big plays from both of those guys. But more importantly, both of those two guys played incredible defensive games. When you're down LeBron James and Anthony Davis, they need guys to step up and you have to defend at an extremely high level because you're going to have some offensive struggles. And those guys were great. And then Thomas Bryant pitched in again as well, 21 and 9, uh, 20, 21 points and 9 rebounds. The Lakers now won three straight, four of their last five. They are uh, a respectable eighth in defense over that span, which is incredibly impressive without Anthony Davis when you think about it. But it really comes down to credible perimeter defense. What do I always say is the best form of rim protection? I think the best form of rim protection is perimeter defense or containing the basketball. And the main reason why is when you contain the basketball, you don't need rim protection because no one's getting a straight line drive downhill. And obviously, it's actually harder to build your defense around a scheme that requires you to keep a rim protector around the rim than it is to have more freelance where everybody's flying around and doing a lot more switching and things along those lines. So when you've got guys like Dennis Schroeder competing on the basketball, Russell Westbrook competing, Patrick Beverly competing, Austin Reeves, Troy Brown, the list goes on. But those guys are competing on the basketball and in rotation. And so they're not being punished as much as you would think for their lack of rim protection. Because as good as Thomas Bryant has been offensively, he's not a great rim protector. He's just not athletic enough or big enough to be a great rim protector. So it's good to see that them playing like legit coherent defense without Anthony Davis just goes to show you how, how hard this team is competing 
without Anthony Davis. They are now 6-5 and five since the AD injury, which is literally the best possible outcome for that situation. Similar to like we were talking about with the Bulls, they're fighting for their season. And now they might have saved it. They're just three and a half games back of the six seed, five games back of the four seed. Adrian Wojnarowski reported yesterday that Anthony Davis is now running on the court and experiencing no pain. So the next step is him jumping to see how that feels. But if AD comes back with how well Anthony uh, LeBron James is playing with the trades that they have available to make at the deadline, you know it's it's still pretty bleak for the Lakers, but you can see a clear light at the end of the tunnel that was not there ten days ago, especially at Christmas Day when they got blown out by the Mavs. As for the Heat, that was kind of more of a letdown game than anything else. They'd been playing really good basketball before that. They were eight and three in their previous eleven games and had just come off of an impressive win over the Clippers. Clippers didn't have Kawhi, but still they had everyone else. It was an impressive win. And a big driving force behind that is Bam Adebayo seems to have finally taken that offensive leap that I have been talking about forever that is so vitally important to the Miami Heat because of their ability to score in the half court. Bam's last 18 games, 25 points per game on 62% true shooting. That's really impressive. Um, a lot of the old stuff, like he's still scoring as a role man, offensive rebound putbacks, you know, getting out in transition doing some stuff as a cutter and in the dunker spot, things along those lines. But he's starting to consistently bolster his offense with isolation stuff and post-up stuff. Um, In the last 10 games, Bam is averaging five points per game just out of isos and post-ups, which doesn't seem like much, but that's the difference between averaging 20 a game and averaging 25 a game. That's That's rescue possessions. That's bolstering your offense with offense that other, otherwise wouldn't be there. That's that's saving possessions and capitalizing on matchups. Um, he's still A lot of it's just getting to the middle of the floor for that really high-release short jump shot that he makes and that little hook shot as well. For the season, BAM is now... Uh, the Heat are averaging 1.08 points per possession on a BAM post-up, including passes, which is 10th in the league among players who have run at least 80 post-ups. So Bam's been a top 10 post player this year. That's really encouraging. Um, and then he's also given you one, points per, uh, one point per possession in ISO, which is 19th among players who have run at least 100 possessions. That's also really solid, albeit still in some relatively small volume. The, the Heat obviously still need to bolster that, that forward position in the, at the trade deadline, but if Bam's going to give you 25 points per game over the course of a playoff run and you get playoff Jimmy and with how well Tyler Harrow has played offensively this season, and if they can bolster that forward position, I wouldn't pick them against the Celtics, Nets, or Bucks, but I'd give them a fighting chance, like a real puncher's chance against any of them. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. We are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It is called Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano. It is an insider's look at the NBA and the culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and number one pick in the 2010 NBA Draft, John Wall will give his unique perspective on the hottest topics in the league and tell the best behind-the-scenes stories from his time in the NBA. CJ will bring his A-list comedian buddies to keep it light and fire off some hoops takes. Plus, John will be inviting current and former NBA players, friends, and teammates to join the show as well to give their unfiltered accounts 
of what really goes on in the league from a player's perspective. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Does the craziness of everyday life leave you feeling stressed and shedding? Since having kids, have you started to see a little more of your scalp? Are you unhappy with your hairline? When it comes to thinning hair, there are many root causes at play, and Nutrafol addresses them through a multi-targeted, whole-body approach. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist-recommended hair growth supplement, with over 1 million people seeing thicker, stronger, and faster-growing hair with less shedding. Physician-formulated with drug-free ingredients, Nutrafol supports healthy hair growth from within by targeting key root causes of thinning, stress, hormones, environment, nutrition, lifestyle, and metabolism through whole-body health. Take their hair wellness quiz at Nutrafol.com for a personalized hair health plan based on your specific root causes. With Nutrafol, building a hair growth routine is simple. Purchase online, no prescription, or doctor's visits required. Free shipping and automated deliveries ensure you'll never miss a day and you'll see results in three to six months. Take the first step to visibly thicker and healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month subscription. And free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter the promo code Hoops. That's H-O-O-P-S. Find out why over 4,500 healthcare professionals and stylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com, promo code Hoops, H-O-O-P-S. That's Nutrafol.com, promo code Hoops. Done. Looking to get more out of the NBA this season? Well, now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because new customers get a no-sweat-first bet up to $1,000. That's free bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything, from the money line to touchdown scores to over-under yards. My favorite bet this weekend is in the NBA. The Miami Heat on Friday night are going into Phoenix to play the Suns. They are favored by one and a half, but the Heat are coming off of a bad loss to the Lakers without LeBron James and Anthony Davis, and the Suns are really struggling to score without Devin Booker. I think the Heat get that game comfortably. Plus, FanDuel lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. FanDuel is also now live in Ohio, so make sure you get in on the action, also with a great offer just for you now and throughout January. So don't miss out on the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in free bets when you join FanDuel with promo code JasonT. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. We are live on AMP to break down the Celtics thoroughly outclassing the Dallas Mavericks tonight. You know, um, that's a great punch from Boston. And when they throw their best punch, because of how much talent they have, they're going to be really hard to beat. And Luka wasn't as sharp tonight. Um, Obviously, that trickled down the roster a little bit. We'll talk about that here in just a few minutes. One quick note before we get started, for any of you guys that are uh, listening on YouTube or on the podcast feeds, don't forget that the very first place you guys can get this analysis is on AMP. So the Celtics came in just 5-7 and in their last 12 games, and we've talked about it a few times on this show. There's been some impressive wins during that stretch, but also some disappointing losses and a couple of benchmark tests against Golden State and Denver in particular that they failed miserably. A couple of embarrassing losses, a couple to the Orlando Magic in there, and then they got absolutely destroyed by the Oklahoma City Thunder without Shea Gilgis-Alexander the other night. Uh, But if you zoom in on it, aside from the OKC game, they actually had been defending really, really well over the course of that stretch because 
the what I, as I kept saying in those videos, it's their three point shooting primarily that was leading to most of their problems. I actually think that the lack of three point shooting and the inability to put put points on the scoreboard was a big part of the thing that triggered urgency for them on the defensive end of the floor so they could get going there. During that 12-game stretch, they shot just 31% from three. Now, shooting slumps, we've talked about this a lot on the show. They happen. Um, You know, as we always talk about, a team, a basketball team, a good one, might shoot 40% from three for the season or around there, right? And that means you're going to miss 60% of them. And so it's easy to see how you could, as a team, kind of go off the tracks a little bit, lose your confidence, and start to miss shots. And then you can see the flip side of that from Boston tonight when they start to go in and then the confidence starts to trickle down and then everyone's making shots again. But that 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 troubling mental aspect of shooting is what triggers these slumps. So as uh, as young players that I coach and just in general with my own experience and my time playing the game, you kind of come with a routine for how to get through a slump. And my personal philosophy for how to get through slumps is to improve your shot selection on an individual level. But on a team level, it's about generating high quality shots. You know, when you're dealing with movement shooting, like off the dribble or flying off of screens and stuff like that, there's so much more of like a touch factor that is built up through thousands of reps, but it's primarily a touch and a feel because no two shots are alike. They're all very different depending on how far the, uh, how much separation you have to get, whether the defender closes out on you as hard as he might. Uh, but in standstill situations, it's all about muscle memory. And so when you generate high quality shots, you can lean on that muscle memory and trust your form and the makes will follow. But when you don't generate high quality shots, maybe they're a little bit rushed, Maybe those standstill opportunities are few and far between. And as a result, it's hard to find your rhythm with your muscle memory. So I wanted to shout out Jason Tatum in particular tonight came out from the opening tip, setting the tone, trying to make the right pass to hit shooters in their shooting pockets. But on a team level, the way to generate high quality three-point shots is a concept we talk about a ton on the show, which is engaging help defenders. There's a huge difference between a defender that's guarding a shooter off the ball and that is in help side position and maybe lunging at the ball, maybe quickly stunting, but has an easy closeout versus when you engage that help defender, meaning you totally get him to commit to guarding you. Now, all of a sudden, that's a much more difficult rotation because you're asking either a different defender from further away to leave his man to close out, or you're asking the guy that you engaged to disengage and close out to the shooter. So it's a, it's a, it's a trickle-down effect from your ball handlers to get downhill, engage that help defender, and then hit on time, on target to the shooter in his pocket. From there, you get lots and lots of time, and then there, these are professional shooters that are making hundreds and hundreds of shots every single day, specifically practicing their standstill shooting and their muscle memory. And no matter how big of a slump you're in, if you get all these wide open looks, you're eventually going to find your rhythm. And they did. Because the Celtics are a good shooting team. If you are a good shooting team, which the Celtics are, from a skill level, they're a good shooting team. It was uncharacteristic what happened to them over the last couple of weeks. And if you generate high-quality shots, it is automatic that they will eventually go win. And they did tonight, and then all of a sudden, the Celtics looked like themselves again. You saw it kind of build confidence throughout the roster. Then they were defending at an insanely high level. That's what I wanted to get to next. 
Boston's defensive rotations were insane tonight. Hard, disciplined closeouts, not leaving your feet, chopping your feet, and taking away that comfortable spot-up shot and forcing them to make a decision. It actually caused a lot of hesitation from Dallas Mavericks, particular guys like Tim Hardaway Jr. and Christian Wood pump-faked at a lot of semi-open shots because of hard closeouts from you know ferocious rotations from Boston Celtics defenders. And the interesting thing there is we talk about this a lot when we get to the playoffs, but when you're playing really great defenses that are locked in, especially when we get to the postseason, there really aren't wide open shots. Most of them are semi-open. And so you need guys to confidently rise into shots. And the Celtics preyed on that, specifically with the Mavericks tonight with their hard closeouts. None of the Mavericks were confident and they really struggled. I think they were one for 10 uh, their spot-up guys were one for 10 shooting threes in the first half. I think as a roster, they were two for 16. I want to get a little bit more into the Mavericks in a little bit. But credit to the Celtics for a really dominant two-way performance. Um, I think that Boston's best punch is better than anybody else's best punch. They, I have frequently said, are the most talented team in the league. Their top eight is insane. Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, Al Horford, Robert Williams, Malcolm Brogdon, Derek White, and Grant Williams, who, by the way, is a lot better than he was last year clearly has put in a ton of work in the offseason into his ball handling, into his shooting, into his footwork. He demonstrated a really nice footwork on that spin move against Christian Wood when he got the and one. That's lots of reps to get coordinated to the point where you feel comfortable making that particular move. But Grant Williams has made a big improvement. Now all of those eight guys are not just starter-level NBA players. They're above-average starter-level NBA players. So they've got eight players that would – happily fit into just about any rotation in the entire league. And I don't think anybody's top eight stacks up with Boston's top eight. The problem is, is they're a bit of an arrogant basketball team. They carry themselves like a team that's already won a championship as opposed to a team that is desperate to get there first. Um, they, as a result, they go through these extended stretches where they're sloppy and they get kind of out of character. They take bad shots. They don't do that important thing in drive and kick systems that I talk about, which is engaging that help defender to make passes on time and on target. They start to turn the basketball over. That puts them in precarious situations in transition. And that's how Boston can experience those negative landslides that they experience. I get it. I understand the arrogance. This group has been together a very long time. They've won a lot of basketball games. They've won a lot of playoff series. Like that team has been to the finals uh, and been to the uh, Eastern Conference finals three times. Like they've just been around a long time and they've been winning for a long time. So I understand why they have that arrogance, but it's a little disappointing. And you've seen it specifically in, in some of these games. That Denver Nuggets game, I thought they were really sloppy on the defensive end of the floor. The Golden State game, it was like they completely lost character of who they were as a basketball team. So that's the one thing that concerns me with them because I think Boston's best punch if is, is better than everyone else's. So in theory, they should win the title. But I have them third on my list of contenders behind Milwaukee and Golden State simply because I trust those two teams to throw their best punch consistently in the playoffs in a way that I don't trust Boston. Uh, but make no, like, I want, I want to cut them a little bit of slack because it is very possible that this is just regular season malaise. They were very dominant from January through the end of the season last year, and that resulted in, in them eventually losing. So they know that the regular season doesn't carry as much importance. I think they trust their ability to beat any of these teams in a seven-game series, even without home court advantage. So maybe it's an urgency thing. 
and maybe they get to April and they lock in and they try in all four rounds. And to be clear, if they do, I think they'll get the trophy. If they consistently throw their best punch in the playoffs, I think they'll get the trophy. That's how much of a talent advantage I think they have. I just don't trust them at this point, and that's why I still have them at third. And to be honest, Celtics fans, I will not pick them over Milwaukee or Golden State in any playoff series, no matter what, simply because of that trust. That doesn't mean I don't think they can beat them. There's no amount of regular season success that could prove it. The only thing that would prove that to me is if they demonstrated it to us in the playoffs. If they do, then this time next year, you'll hear me marching to a different beat as it pertains to the Celtics. But they've got to show me they can do that. Golden State consistently throws their best punch in the playoffs. I've seen that for a half decade. Milwaukee consistently throws their best punch in the playoffs. I've seen that two playoff runs in a row. I trust them more. That's the only reason I have them above it. But you, you know, you saw tonight a glimpse of what their top end looks like. And that is why I call them the most talented team in the league. And that's the potential that they have. Um, Dallas, just a couple quick notes. They've been playing really good ball before this game. They've won seven straight games, despite being without some key guys. Maxi Kleba's been out. I didn't realize he had surgery on his hamstring. That's pretty crazy. So apparently he's going to be out for a little while. Um, and then Josh Green is one of their best 3 and D wings right now uh, because of the improvements he's made as a shooter. So him getting back, I think he has an elbow issue. He's expected to come back o- uh, over the course of this next road trip. Uh, but they've been coming playing good, uh, pretty good basketball. They just didn't get a good Luka game tonight. I mean, you're not going to beat the Celtics at their best unless Luka Doncic plays at his best. And I'm not being critical of him because, to be clear, it looked like he was dealing with some ankle stuff. It, they were. I couldn't tell if he was sick or that the broadcast said he wasn't sick, that he's clearly experienced some sort of like impact trauma to the chest that was causing him to deal with some coughing stuff. Um, so Luca wasn't at his best. And to be clear, when you need to lead your team against a, one of the best, most talented teams in the league, it's going to be really difficult to do that when your body's not cooperating. So I want to cut Luca some slack. But the only way you can win a game like that when you have a talent disadvantage, but you might have the best player on the floor, is your best player has to come out and be the best player on the floor. If he does that early in the game, it establishes a confident tone around the team. That causes them to defend better. That causes them to rise up more confidently into the spot-up shots, like I was talking about with Dallas earlier, which in turn leads the game to being closer. When the game is close, if you have the best player on the floor, you might have a chance to pull that game out. But in a game like this with Luka, to be honest, he was pretty terrible on both ends of the floor. I thought offensively, his jump shot was way off, which was leading to some bad fast break opportunities. In general, on defense, he was really slow with his rotations. You could see him laboring, almost conceding with lazy closeouts to some of these threes. It was a bad Luka game. So you got to just kind of throw it out. Um, But the reality is is they're not going to beat teams like Boston or really anybody in the playoffs, for that matter, unless Luka's at his very best. But the good news is is we have three years of evidence that show us that when Luka is in the postseason, he does bring his very best. So I'm not overly concerned about it. All right, guys, that is all I have for tonight. Don't forget to check out. We broke down a bunch of games from Wednesday night uh, on the feed. You'll see it from earlier. And then tomorrow night, we're going to be breaking down the Friday night slate. I'm going to be recording that Friday night, but it won't be uploaded until Saturday. So keep an eye on the feeds until uh, on Saturday morning to see a breakdown of Friday night games. Uh, as always, I appreciate your support. And I will see you guys next time.
Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.